There's no greater adventure in life than walking with God, and there's no better way to walk with Him than by exploring and responding to His Word, the Bible. The Walking with God podcast is dedicated to bringing God's Word to life in your life. It features the teaching ministry of Dr. Scott Fenton, pastor, Bible scholar, and expert guide of the Holy Lands of the Bible. He has lived, studied, and explored every inch of the promised lands of Israel and of Jordan. And for the past 31 years, he has served as lead pastor of Meadows Baptist Church in Plano, Texas. I'm your host, Ron Sear, inviting you to prepare your heart to walk with God. Great to have you in the house and joining streaming online around the country and around the world. And I am excited. It's been three weeks since I've been in the pulpit. I almost canceled all the music today so I could preach all service long. But I am uh, so thrilled to be able to bring to you God's Word and this new series, Stronger Together, about what the church is intended to be. So let me encourage you, take your Bible and open with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll dive in there in just a moment. On January the 6th, the United States Capitol building was breached when a protest turned violent. It was a sad reminder of the deep divisions within our own culture. But it was also a reminder of how special our democracy is and why it must be respected and protected. In that great document known as the Declaration of Independence, written nearly 250 years ago, we find these words. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Christians are called by Jesus Christ to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. As such, we are compelled to be active participants in our culture, in our country, and in our government. We are to pray, to vote, to be Christ-like, and to make a difference. What the Declaration of Independence is for our nation, 1 Corinthians 12 is for the church. In this letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth, and by the way, it's one of the most spectacular sites I've ever visited to explore the Bible lands are the ruins of ancient Corinth, where Paul is writing to this church that we're studying today, we find these incredible insights. It's a, it's a great chapter from the Word of God that 
Paul casts a body-building vision for the church. But he also confronts a body-attacking virus that was inflicting the church. And then he celebrates a body-complementing vitality that can grow the church. And they're really all for the church today, for our church this morning. So as we begin this series, Stronger Together, exploring the power of one another, may God do a fresh work in our hearts and in Meadows Baptist Church. We look this morning at this chapter and bodybuilding at its finest as God intended. So let me ask you to stand with me in honor of the reading of the book of God. How incredible that we have the revelation of Scripture. Did you know one day all of the heavens and all of the earth will be destroyed, but the Word of God endures forever? It's eternal, and that's what we're studying this morning. We'll begin in verse 5. You can follow along silently as I read the words of God. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And then down to verse 12. Just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one Spirit that is the Holy Spirit, to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were just an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were just an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. And then finally in verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Wow, what a chapter. Thank you, you may be seated. Let's look first of all at how Paul casts a body-building vision for the church. You know, everybody has a vision for the church. 
Christians have a vision. Every Christian has his or her own vision. The world and the culture has a vision of the church. But what we want to learn this morning is, what's God's vision for the church? And Paul helps us here as he outlines this vision. Notice, first of all, that God's vision for the church that Paul articulates is a transforming vision. This may be the most important point of the message. Don't mistake the teaching here to think that everyone who is alive is part of the church or part of the body of Christ. Remember, Paul is not writing to the world. He's writing to the church at Corinth. That is, he's writing to people who have submitted their lives to Jesus, who have recognized their sinfulness, and that the only hope for forgiveness and eternal life was to trust in the crucified and resurrected one, Jesus Christ. So this is not everybody. Not everybody in the Roman Empire was Paul addressing. Only those who had been born again. Notice verse 13. Paul said that we have been baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. You're not part of the body of Christ or the family of believers just because you were created in the image of God. Jesus was explicitly clear. Unless a person is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You don't become part of this church, that is the true church of Jesus Christ, without being saved, without submitting your life to Christ, without the Spirit of God coming to indwell you. That's what's referenced here, that we're baptized by one Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Paul would write in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, and the new has come. So the church to be the church is made up of people who are no longer what they used to be. They're transformed people. They're people that have been inhabited by the Spirit of the living God. If we're to understand God's vision of the church, we need to realize we have to be transformed. But notice, secondly, that God's vision for the church is a transcendent vision. That is to say, it is beyond ourselves. It's a transforming vision. It's different from us, but it's a transcendent vision. It is bigger than us. Verse 14, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. However devoted you may be, however surrendered you may be, however steeped in service your life might look like, you can't be the body of Christ by yourself. You're just one part of the body. It's bigger than you. That's the glorious part of the church today. That's what the new generation wants to hear, that there's something beyond you. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ calls us to something beyond ourselves. 
And that call is so important today in our self-serving culture where even as Christians, we lose the vision of the transcendent church. The church really is for me. Church really is about me. What do you have to offer to me? But no, God's vision is a transcendent vision. The body is made up not of one part, but of many. It requires us to recognize the church is bigger than ourselves. The call of the kingdom of heaven is beyond ourselves. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24 and 25, If anyone wants to become my follower, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life, if it's all about me, then he'll lose it. But whoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. God's vision for the church is to call us to sacrifice and surrender for a cause and a kingdom that's greater than ourselves. But notice also that it is a team vision. Although God's vision of the church as a transforming vision is different from just me. And although it's a transcendent vision that it is bigger and beyond me, amazingly, God's vision of the church is a team vision that in some ways it is dependent upon me. That's amazing, isn't it? Look at verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. God bestows his spiritual gifts upon all of his children so that the whole body, the whole church may benefit. It's a team vision. And each one of us have a role to play. That's why we're stronger together. Because only together are we the church of the living God. So let me ask you this morning, what's your vision for the church? I find too many Christians today whose vision for the church is more like a fast food restaurant. <laughs> I just swoop in and holler out what I want, get what I need. I might drop a few bucks in the offering plate and I'm on my way. And when I get tired of that cuisine, I'll go to some other fast food restaurant. That's not God's vision of the church. The church is not a fast food restaurant. Others see the church like a sports team. <laughs> they, they don't really engage in the work of the ministry. They're just there to cheer the pastor on and cheer the deacons on and cheer the Bible teachers on. This is my team uh, I'll cheer for them, but I'm not really in the game. That's not God's vision of the church. If we're to be the church of the New Testament that God is calling us to be, we must see the church as a family. <laughs> it's my family. And, and it's dependent upon me whether my family is functional or dysfunctional. <laughs> and no family is perfect, but I want to make a difference. I want to make it better. And I have responsibility in the church 
because of what Jesus has done for me. We really are stronger together. And now is a time like no other that you must renew your commitment. God has called you to be part of his body, the body of Christ, the church that is the salt and the light of the earth. And if we're to be that at Meadows, you must renew your commitment and your connection. And it's certainly fine. I get it that some of you feel I, I'm just not comfortable to be on site yet. And, and that's fine. You let God lead you. Does God lead you to the grocery store? Does God lead you to Walmart? Does God lead you to the gas station? But he doesn't lead you to church? That seems odd to me. But the point is, you can connect like many of you are doing right now. You're still setting aside Sunday to make it sacred. You're still gathering your family. You're not on site, but you recognize I'm part of a family. I have to connect. It's my, my privilege to be connected together. So whether you're on site or online, the commandments of God do not change. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. There's no way that we can be a holy people in the world if we neglect the Sabbath. So whether you're here or whether you're home, remember we're stronger together. It's time to reconnect and to recommit. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul not only uh, casts this bodybuilding vision of the church, notice how he confronts a body-attacking virus that's afflicting the church at Corinth. <laughs> we know something about an afflicting virus, don't we? Many of us have already caught the coronavirus, and our world has gone into lockdown in the past year because of this sinister infiltrating virus. But let me tell you, it is nothing like the viruses that Satan plants in the church to sap its strength. And so Paul addresses this virus and how we can inoculate ourselves. The immunization that would keep these, these viruses from sneaking in to sabotage our church. What are those viruses? Notice uh, Paul references the virus of intolerance. Did you recognize that phrase, Jews or Gentiles? <laughs> Listen, there, there were no uh, more disparate groups on the planet than a Jew and a Gentile in biblical days. That, that's as opposite as you can get. And yet the church was made up of both. There was no room for discrimination. There was no room to say, well, we like our Jewish brothers and sisters, so we're going to have a Jewish church. And the Gentiles say, well, that's fine, but we're going to have a Gentile church. We don't, we don't really like to rub shoulders with the Jews. 
No, in the church of Jesus Christ, there is no room for any discrimination. It's ungodly. It is not acceptable in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must be on guard against that ethnic bias, against any kind of economic bias. The reference here to slaves who work not for a living or for money, but are enslaved, and those who are free, that their labor is rewarded. They're in different economic camps. But ethnicity and economics should not govern the church of Jesus Christ. Romans 2.11, Paul said, Our God does not show favoritism. If you, have, if you allow biases to govern your attitudes and your actions, you are living an ungodly life, and it's affecting the church. It's affecting the body of Christ. But not only the virus of intolerance, Paul addresses the virus of insecurity. This may be an even more sinister virus you remember in verse 15, Paul said, Now if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. I, I, all I am is an old foot. But I look at that hand and how glorious it is. And the grip that it has. And the abilities and the functions that it has. Oh, if I had only been born a hand, but alas, I'm just a foot. What is that? That's insecurity. And it afflicts every one of us. It's part of our sinful nature. It comes from a self-consciousness rather than a God-consciousness. And it's a virus that undermines the power of the church. I can't do that. I couldn't share my faith. I'm not an outgoing personality. I wish I were this way or that. But that insecurity comes from your sinful nature, and it dishonors Christ. Do you not know that Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I... Not I, <laughs> whoever I am, whether I'm an eye or an ear or a foot or an elbow, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The focus is not on me. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, not that we are competent in and of ourselves, but our competency comes from God. I'm not focused upon myself, my limitations, or my abilities. I'm focused on Christ. And through Christ, I can do all things. Insecurity guts the church out of our courageous faith to follow the leadership of God. But also this virus that Paul was concerned about, not just the virus of intolerance or insecurity, but the virus that speaks to our time perhaps more than any other, the virus of isolation. 
You remember he says in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. <laughs> I, I, I don't need church. I, I don't need together. I trust Jesus. I have my own relationship with God. I don't need you. <laughs> no, that's from the devil. God has made us to be part of the body. We need each other. We're stronger together. That's why the author of Hebrews said in chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good works. Not giving up meeting together as the manner of some is, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, God's intention is never for us to be isolated. Yes, we each have a relationship with God. Yes, God cares for each one of us. But we're not intended to live in isolation. We need to be connected to the body of Christ. That's the church. That's why it's time. Whether you're online or in the house, I'm calling you today to renew and deepen your commitment to connect with the body of Christ. God never intended for you to go it alone. We need each other. What about you this morning? Which one of these viruses is dangerously creeping into your life? Maybe you're dealing with discrimination, struggling with biases. Maybe it's that insecurity of thinking, I'm unnecessary. I have so little to offer. Or maybe it's that arrogance and pride of, ah, you know, I'll send in a contribution, but I don't have time to set aside Sunday to worship God. I, I don't have time to connect with the family and the body of Christ. Only the Spirit of God can immunize and inoculate us so that uh, these viruses do not permeate our thinking and our behavior. But in the end, in 1 Corinthians 12, as Paul gives this bodybuilding vision and exposes this body-attacking virus, he really is bringing us to the, the apex and the crescendo of what God's intent for the church is. And Paul concludes by celebrating a body-complementing vitality that grows the church. And interestingly, the building up of the church, of the body of Christ, has to do with our diversities, our differences, not our likenesses, interestingly enough. Notice that Paul emphasizes this on three different levels. Different gifts, different service, different workings. It's in this diversity that the church is built up. 
God doesn't give everyone the same gift. And God doesn't have a favorite gift that he gives to his favorite. So if you don't have that gift, it's because you're not a favorite of God. No, it's in our diversity. It's in the, the multifunctioning of this incredible, miraculous, phenomenal, unfathomable creation of the human body. That's why Paul was inspired to liken the church to the human body that has all of these different members and functions but has in its diversity the unity of one body. We have different gifts, meaning that every, not every person, but every born-again believer has a manifestation of the Holy Spirit of God. A manifestation. Just like you might expect that uh, our children would resemble me and Judy because uh, they are our children. We're their parents. We begot them in the same way when we're born again, we have similarities, we have manifestations that show, wow, this is one of God's kids. There's an expression, there's a manifestation that the Holy Spirit of God has come to reside and to dwell in that person. There are different gifts that show that person belongs to God. But just as there are different kinds of gifts, there are different kinds of service. That is to say, even two of us. Uh, for instance, Steve and myself, we might have the same gift, but that gift could be expressed in different ways. It could be utilized in different ways. Even though we both have the same spiritual gift from God, it wouldn't necessarily play out the same in Steve's life as it does in my life. That's part of the glory of diversity that God has created. But then a third level is, not only do we have different gifts, different manifestations of the Holy Spirit, not only do we use those gifts in different ways, but as we serve, the impact of those gifts on others is differently. So that it's quite possible that Kyle could do the same ministry to Scott as he does to Michael. But it might have a different impact on Scott than it does on Michael. That's what it means that there are different workings. It makes its impact uniquely and differently in different ways for different people in different circumstances. But the blessing of diversity is that God uses us all with our giftedness for his glory. 1 Peter 4.10, Peter said, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. When I function, when I serve God with my spiritual giftedness, I'm dispersing the grace of God. Isn't that amazing? 
Every believer, you know, our staff, we all have different titles that kind of identify our areas of focus. But every believer ought to have this title. I am the administrator of the grace of God. That's what I do. God has blessed me with spiritual anointing, with spiritual gifts. And as I serve him by utilizing them, the grace of God oozes out of me on every life that I touch. It's incredible that every one of us are the minister of grace, that we distribute the grace of God as we serve and as we function as a church. Of course, with this emphasis that God gives to diversity, we must have the supernatural unifying work of the Holy Spirit. Paul said there's one Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, and one body, that is the body of Christ. So even though we all are different, there is this divine koinonia, this divine connectivity, this divine fellowship that we experience with God and with one another. That's why we're stronger together. And as we recognize this wonderful vision from God and walk in it, we are made one in Jesus Christ. The rich, the poor, the black, the white, the young, the old. It matters not. Our unity comes from Christ, not our family of origin, not the color of our skin, not the, the type of our education. That's not the basis of biblical unity. It is our devotion to Jesus Christ and his kingdom, that nothing else rivals that passion in our lives. That is the church of Jesus Christ. You remember before Jesus was arrested and crucified, he prayed that great high priestly prayer in John 17, verses 22 and 23, when he said, I have given them the glory that you gave me. Talking to his father, I've given them, Father, the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So it is in our diversity that we find true unity in Jesus Christ. And then finally, we realize uh, that this vision that God has for the church of this vitality that grows and builds up the church is the blessing of diversity and the blessing of unity but incredibly, it's the blessing of inclusivity. Verse 27, he concludes by saying, Now, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Not one of you is disqualified. 
Not one of you is irrelevant. Not one of you is unnecessary. None of you. All of us together are the church of Jesus Christ. No wonder we're stronger together. How about you this morning? Are you committed and connected to the church? To God's vision of the church? Why not make that commitment or perhaps renew that commitment today? The Declaration of Independence is a remarkable document. But without sacrifice and devotion, it's merely words. Listen to the final sentence of that historic declaration signed by the 56 delegates on July the 4th, 1776. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Wow. It's not the document that made the glory that is the United States of America. It's the devotion, the sacrifice, the commitment. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is a remarkable document. But without sacrifice and devotion, it's merely words, even though those words are from God. What will your response be today to this body-building vision, to this body-attacking virus, to this body-complementing vibrancy? Will you be the church of the living God? Let's pray together. Perhaps you've come to recognize that you're on the outside of this vision of the church. You've never committed your life to Jesus Christ. I want to give you an opportunity to do that here in the house or online this morning. If you've never taken that step of faith to say, I, I know I'm separated from God. I need forgiveness and salvation. Just call upon the Lord right now. He'll answer you. You could pray a prayer something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I know I've sinned. I believe you rose from the dead. I'm giving my life to you today. Forgive me and save me. Come live in my life. Perhaps for many others, you've already taken that step, but this clear revelation of God's vision of the church has brought conviction to your heart. You realize you've been living with a different vision that doesn't honor God, and you want to 
you want to repent today as a believer, as part of the body of Christ to say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I, I haven't been connected. I haven't done my part. I, I'm not functioning in a healthy way as part of your church, part of your body. I want to commit myself to be connected to the body of Christ, connected with my church family beginning today. You might just pray a prayer something like this. Lord, thank you for saving me. And thank you for convicting me today for how I've lost my focus on what you want for my life. I want to recommit and reconnect today with you and with your church. And maybe you're looking for a church family to be a part of. We have people that are part of Meadows Church that don't even live in this community. They don't even live in this state. If you've prayed one of these prayers or you want to connect more with us as a church, we invite you to do that. Just reach out to me this week. You can connect with my personal email, scott at meadowsbaptist.org. I'll respond to you personally and help you take your next step in your walk of faith. I want to conclude now. Thank you for bowing your heart before the Lord. I want to conclude by leaving you a special blessing that I've crafted from these eternal truths that we've just studied from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is my prayer for you. I believe it's God's desire to bless you uh, this way today. So you might want to, there at home, wherever you are watching, just open your, your hands and your heart up as an expression to the Lord. Or here on side, if you want this blessing for you, just receive it from the Lord, would you? May you catch a vision for our church that is bigger than yourself. May you reject every virus that seeks to corrupt or compromise our church. May you welcome and respect the role and contribution of others. And may you pledge your life, your fortune, and your sacred honor to be the church God has called us to be. Thank you for listening to this episode of Walking with God, featuring the teaching ministry of Dr. Scott Fenton. If you love walking with God and want to help others do the same, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and to share it with a friend. We would love to hear from you and pray for any concerns you may have. You can reach us at walkingwithgod at meadowsbaptist.org. That's walkingwithgod at meadowsbaptist.org. And be sure to request a free copy of Dr. Fenton's booklet, The Sacred Journey, Exploring the Stories, Sights, and Saints of the Biblical Promised Land. Have a great week walking with God. And be sure to stay in God's Word so God's Word can stay in you.